Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech. My name is Matt and thank you guys for being with me today. If you could like, subscribe, or leave me a comment, that would be awesome. And today I want to talk about marker therapeutics and specifically today I want to talk about their potential in treating pancreatic cancer. So last time, and I encourage you to watch that video, I talked a lot about an overview of the company and this week I want to dive deeper into pancreatic cancer itself and see where marker fits in there with their multi-TAA therapy. And uh, yeah, so before we do that, though, I do want to talk a bit about the news. So this week, Q1 GDP came in at 3.2%, which was 0.6 or 0.7% higher than the forecast. So it's good for us being long equities for uh, for the anticipated slowdown. It seems like it has not come quite yet. So uh, it is good news, even though any upcoming quarter that prints in line with forecast or below it, I think is going to have serious impacts to the market given at the valuation levels we're at right now. So something to be mindful of, but the slowdown has not come yet, and we do have some important numbers coming at the end of this week, so keep an eye out for that. So another thing that happened this week was the CNN Town Hall, and I mentioned last week that I was worried that it might lead to a further sell-off in uh, the XBI, but thankfully that didn't happen. We got a nice bounce in uh, the XLV, XBI, as well as the IBV, and uh, yeah, so it's good news for now, but I do think that moving forward, uh, we should be mindful of the Democratic primary dates because those could be big drivers of sell-offs if the, uh, the right economic environment supports that. So I'm going to put those on my calendar uh, moving forward. Another thing that happened this week was Gilead reported a failure in phase three of NASH, and this was for a different subset of patients than the prior trial that came out, I think in like February now. Um, but, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to this because I think the failure was kind of expected given what we saw before. Um, and most people are looking forward to their earnings report that's going to come out this week. So uh, the new CEO is going to be on the stage. So I think it'll be good to get insight from him on where the company is going to move uh, moving forward. Another thing this week that happened was Q1 earnings call for Biogen happened. And uh, the stock sold off a little bit, but not very much. I think even the, the gains were all recovered by the end of the week, but I do like Biogen as a potential short, and I'm going to take a deeper dive into them, so keep an eye out for that. I, uh, you know, they, they remain committed to the neurological disease pipeline, despite how um, risky it is for them moving forward, so I don't know if they can maintain the valuation that they currently have, given the low percent chance they have of getting a new therapy to um, to market. And they talked about doing M&A, but it was very much like not a big deal for them. I think they're, they really want to get a neurological disease um, treatment with their current pipeline, but uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. So I'm going to look into them deeper and, uh, and talk about that in, in an upcoming video. And yeah, then the uh, last thing I want to talk about is, uh, is the marker deeper dive. So before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the pancreas. For those who don't know, the pancreas is a bifunctional organ. It's mostly made out of acinar cells that produce digestive enzymes, as well as release bicarbonate to neutralize acid coming from the stomach. So it's uh, the organ sits behind the stomach, and it attaches to the duodenum here. And while most of it is made up of acinar cells, uh, about 2 to 3% is made up of these pancreatic islets, which secrete insulin in response to glucose. And that's the endocrine portion of the pancreas, while the acinar cells compose the exocrine portion. And also in this organ are these pancreatic ductal cells that have a less differentiated state than the prior two cell types that I spoke of. 
So this leads them to be susceptible to being cancerous. And we see a similar thing in breast cancer, where the ductal cells are the ones that, that likely lead to problems. So the most common form of pancreatic cancer, and that's about 85% of all of them, is pancreatic adenocarcinoma. And this is a malignant cancer that metastasizes quite readily. And the issue seems to be that a lot of symptoms don't come until much later in the disease. And that means that the most aggressiveness of the cancer is prevalent at that time. And, you know, treating it when it's at its most aggressive state uh, is very difficult. So um, I have this quote here, by the time of diagnosis, pancreatic cancer is often spread to other parts of the body. And this could be the liver, the brain, or the lungs, which can be fatal. So it's, uh, it's very unfortunate. Um, 400,000 people per year get this disease. Treatment by surgical resection, radiotherapy, or chemotherapy. Risk factors being tobacco smoking, genetics, obesity, or diabetes. So it's not just an environmental disease. It could be contributed by genetics. Prognosis, which is very disappointing. 25% survival after one year, about 10% survival after five years. So it's, uh, it's nice to see that a company is kind of putting pancreatic cancer at the forefront, even though AML is, uh, is a bigger deal for marker, I believe. But they are looking into pancreatic cancer, with it, which is a good thing, and it'd be nice to see a lot more companies dedicate their resources towards this, uh, this disease, given this brutal prognosis. So um, either that or detection, early detection would be good for pancreatic cancer, even though the attempts up to now have not been uh, very fruitful. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is related to markers specifically. Their, their therapy, their T-cell therapy, is focused on selecting T-cells that are responsive to a specific antigen. So when looking for a specific antigen, you want to find something that's expressed in pancreatic cancer cells, as well as something that might not be expressed as much in normal healthy tissue, so that the normal cells are least affected by your therapy. Now, if they're T-cells, they're likely to avoid your normal healthy cells because of all the HLA and MHC complex things that that tell T cells that this is normal tissue. But if you can find genes that are uh, mutated or deleteriously expressed, we could get a good T cell therapy that that specifically attacks cancerous pancreatic cells. From Wikipedia, I found this that four genes that have been found mutated in the majority of adenocarcinomas are KRAS, uh, cyclin 2A, TP53, and SMAD4. Um, these are genes related to, to different things. KRAS is a G protein. Uh, P53 is a tumor suppressor that's mutated in a lot of cancers, actually. And SMAD4 is a transcription factor. So some of these are uh, they're expressed in most cell types. So that's not ideal. But if they're increased in expression or they're mutated and that mutated epitope can be recognized by T cells, then we might have something for, uh, for a T cell therapy. I also looked at this proteinatlas.org site, which showed us um, the 20 genes with the highest significance associated with unfavorable prognosis. So we can also use this, like very highly expressed genes in the cancer cells that lead to a negative prognosis. They could be good targets for a T-cell therapy. And you can also break down these genes as being exclusively elevated in pancreatic cancer versus other cancers have mixed expression, um, not detected in pancreatic cancer, it's not super useful for a T-cell therapy to attack genes or epitopes of proteins that are not expressed in pancreatic cancer. So this information is known, and we can use this to craft a customized, uh, optimized therapy towards pancreatic cancer. 
and Marker has the ability to do this with their multi-TAA therapy. So to touch on that therapy, I did. I am going to introduce the therapy, even though you should go back to my other video to look at that for, uh, for more details. But basically, for pancreatic cancer, they're using their mixed antigen peptide pool therapy, which is an autologous cell transplant. But they take these peripheral blood monocytes, isolate the T cells that they want, they stimulate them with certain chemokines and other things that might expand them and activate them and then they infuse them back into the patient. And the, the five antigens that they're selecting for in this population are Prame, uh, Mage A4, SSX2, Survivin, and NYESO1. So when I took a deeper dive into these different genes, they're all described as these cancer testis antigens. And they're unique because they're genes that aren't normally expressed in a lot of tissues, but they're re-expressed in a high amount in a number of cancer types. And I found a couple good reviews that I'm going to quote later that, uh, that show this. And another thing that's interesting about these genes is that they're all immunogenic. So uh, they, once they're released into the blood, say, they cause a very profound uh, immune response, which is great for us if we're trying to treat this cancer because we can input these peptides into the body and uh, you know the, the immune system will work in such a way that they'll attack any cell that's expressing these, these genes in a deleterious way. So the questions we should be asking if we're going to use these antigens against pancreatic cancer are, you know, does pancreatic cancer cells express these antigens to any capacity? Does targeting these antigens promote cancer cell death? Does targeting these antigens reduce mortality or morbidity in pancreatic cancer patients? And is a T-cell therapy compatible with the standard of care? Because we need to keep in mind that any treatment that's going to get put into the clinic is going to have to go through clinical trials that go along with or go after a standard of care type therapy. So keep these in mind as we go through the different uh, antigens. And what I did is I did a literature review for each one of these to see whether or not there was some data on pancreatic cancer and the expression of these uh, different antigens. So the first one I, I wanted to look at is Survivin. And this is the good news. Uh, there's kind of bad news associated with the other four, but um, Survivin, I found, was overexpressed in pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma, which is the most prevalent pancreatic adenocarcinoma. Um, its expression is associated with poor clinical outcome. There's been some cell line studies that show that inhibiting Survivin decreases cancer cell growth. Uh, cell lines aren't really comparable to humans, but it is, a, it is one piece of evidence. Other studies have looked at how Survivin is upregulated after radiotherapy, this gene actually protects cells from apoptosis induced by radiotherapy. So targeting this gene would, would prevent that. There's also some data in humans that a survivin-based vaccine delayed relapse in a pancreatic cancer patient who had a liver metastasis, and it delayed relapse by eight months. So there is some data in humans to suggest that treating or targeting survivin would be beneficial. And then I put some rodent data as positive as well, but rodent data is also not, not ideal. So I encourage you to look at these papers here. I think one of these is just an abstract from the AACR, but um, this Survivin and Pancreatic Cancer article, and it's pretty dated still, but it does have a lot of good information on Survivin and Pancreatic Cancer specifically. So I think that this gene being targeted could definitely improve the outcomes that Marker can expect from their therapy already. So... As for the other four antigens that Marker is hoping to target, 
Supreme, Mage A4, SSX2, and NYESO1. They're either not really expressed in pancreatic cancer or they don't really have any prognostic value. So Prame and Mage A4 are most relevant for melanoma. Uh, they don't really have very high expression in pancreatic cancer, uh, either at the protein or the mRNA level. So they're not very useful and T cells that are primed for these antigens aren't really going to be attracted towards uh, pancreatic cancer. SSX2, there's protein expression there, but it's not really prognostically valuable. So this also isn't a very useful marker. NYESO1 is uh, not really expressed at all in pancreatic cancer, um, even though it's useful in a lot of other cancers. So none of these really speak to me as being useful for um, pancreatic cancer in particular. But we have Survivin, and I think compared to the standard of care, adding a Survivin-based T-cell therapy could lead to an improvement in clinical outcomes compared to just the standard of care. And that's what Marker's going to hope to do here. A lot of these uh, CTA antigens are expressed in a number of other solid tumors. So I'm kind of curious to know why Marker decided to focus on pancreatic cancer. When I looked at some of the reviews of these CT antigens, and this is a great review here, I'll quote, According to RT-PCR analysis, members of different families and superfamilies of CTAs are largely expressed in melanoma, bladder, non-small cell lung cancers, breast cancer, and prostate cancers. So the most prevalent cancers are lung cancers, breast, and prostate. So I'm surprised that Marker decided to go with pancreatic, given how aggressive it is and how difficult it is to treat, when the CTA antigens that their therapies already prepared for um, would likely have an efficacy in these, in these cancers here. Now, you know, I don't want to pretend to know what they're thinking. There's a good chance that they just they have easy access to patients with pancreatic cancer, or they don't think their therapy is super competitive against prostate, breast, or lung at this stage, and they need to further refine the, the t their therapy better. But I do think that their therapy might have a better chance in these different solid tumors compared to pancreatic cancer. So I thought that was particularly interesting. So to further solidify what I was saying about the expression of these CT antigens in pancreatic cancer, this uh, nice review that came out um, said, and I quote, while all CT genes are frequently expressed in cell lines derived from pancreatic cancer, no expression of MAGE3, SSX1, but SSX2, NYESO1, and CT7 was detected in fresh pancreatic cancer tumor biopsies, and MAGE4, SSX4, and CT8 were only rarely expressed. So this is a study specifically in pancreatic cancer that showed very, very low expression of these genes in, uh, in pancreatic cancer. So uh, to me, this just confirms that these genes aren't a very great antigen for their multi-TAA therapy in pancreatic cancer. I think they could easily refine this and pick better antigens if they're going to try to get a better response in pancreatic cancer. And they even said in the call that it's easy for them to change up the antigens that they want and even add more antigens to, uh, to target more or less aggressive cancers as they please. So I think Marker may have rushed into this without thinking it through entirely. But again, I don't want to be ignorant. They may, they may have good reasons for all of this. And it's possible that even just the surviving one antigen-responsive T-cells could trigger that epitope spreading that I talked about last time and lead to a profound effect in these patients. So that's kind of what they're banking on and what I think we should we should hope to see. All right. So regarding their 
phase one, two trial, the actual clinical trial called TACTOPS in pancreatic cancer, they have three different trial arms. Group A are patients who have not progressed after three rounds of the standard of care, and that's a combination of gemcitabine and cisplatin. Uh, group B are patients who have progressed in their cancer after three rounds of um, the standard of care. And then group C is a unique patient population because they're going to give the T-cells before surgical resection, and then they're going to get to actually look at the tumor them itself and see whether or not their T-cells are actually infiltrating the tumor. And then these patients are also eligible to get more of their multi-TAA cells after surgery. These patients are eligible to get up to six multi-AA treatments, which is uh, great. I think given the low number of cells that they infuse, there's such few side effects that they can do multiple treatments of this multi-TAA and, uh, and end up getting better effects than if they just did one or two. Now, I think the number of cells they're going to infuse is 1 times 10 to the 7, and I would have liked to see them do uh, 1 times 10 to the 8 and push that level as high as they can go, really. Um, just given that it's pancreatic cancer, so they should try and be as aggressive as they can in treating, especially for a phase one and two. But I understand that doing up to six, you know, could be an equivalent of doing uh, six times 10 to the seven just over a longer period of time. But I, I would have liked to see increased number of, of cells in these patients. And uh, the way that the cycling is going to work is they're going to do, um, after these first three rounds, they're going to do an infusion of their multi-TAA therapy, and then treat with chemotherapy again, and then go back to the site to the multi-TAA therapy. And there's some wiggle room around this. It's not rigid. And I think what they're hoping is that the lysis of the cells by chemotherapy or by the T cells can uh, can help the other treatment and, and propagate it to an effect that we actually see a better outcome than with just the standard of care. And I think even though survivin is the only gene that these T cells are going to really react to, I think there is a decent chance that it could be better than just the standard of care. So I uh, mentioned that I bought 30 shares last week. I'm going to hold them even though I would have liked to see more than one gene be targeted by, by this multi-TAA therapy. And uh, I do think that it's possible that survivin could be enough to trigger a larger scale immune response. So that's where I'm at with Marker. It's not a huge position that I'm holding because I do think they're going to need to raise money moving forward, but uh, that's kind of my breakdown. So I'm happy to take any comments and, uh, and any other suggestions that people have for, for the company. And I think they mentioned in Q3, they're going to present some results on that. So we can, uh, we can look forward to that. All right. So looking forward to uh, this week, we have another big week if, of earnings. Um, from a macro perspective, I think paying attention to ADP's report is going to be important since they're a huge payroll company. We have big tech names like Google and Apple on Monday and Tuesday. Um, biotech that I'm paying attention to is Ameren and Viking. I'm also going to pay attention to Dexcom. Uh, in pharma, we have a huge week as well with uh, Gilead, Merck, Amgen, GSK, Novo. Gilead's going to be the one that I'm most in interested in. And then generics, we have Tiva reporting on uh, Thursday morning. So everybody should definitely uh, pick your favorites and pay attention to that because they, uh, I think they're going to be very interesting and telling. Besides earnings, there's some macro events that we should be aware of. The FOMC interest rate decision and statement is going to be going on on Wednesday, so this big circus is going to happen, so pay attention to that because it could move the markets quite a bit. China PMI on Monday, and uh, non-farm payrolls and unemployment are coming up on Friday. All right, so with that, just a quick portfolio overview. I uh, We saw a nice bounce in, in the IBB and XBI. 
My portfolio also bounced up. I uh, bought the 30 marker at 529. I'm down about 1% on that. Illumina reported good results, even though they sold off a little bit on the news. So I'm holding strong. I haven't really sold too much. I did open an XBI put spread before the CNN town hall, and I'm still holding it. I'm down about 32 bucks on it. It's uh, It wasn't a huge position, but I'm uh, keeping it as a hedge for... Well, it was a hedge for the CNN town hall, but now I'm just holding it because it just makes me feel better about my entire portfolio, given that, you know, things can happen and uh, things can go against you. So uh, we saw upticks in volatility for the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 with decreases for the XBI and the IBB. So, you know, given that we saw uh, nice bounces in the XBI and IBB. It's it makes sense to me that the volatility would decrease a bit, or at least the implied, the expected move. Um, but for the S and P 500, the Nasdaq and the Dow, I think as we start to climb higher and higher, people are starting to hedge their positions more by buying puts, and that's what we see there. So with that, guys, thank you so much for watching. Hit the like, subscribe, or share button, and I do appreciate it. And with that, we'll see you next time.